We want to put a whistle in the brewery. We haven't I haven't come around with that yet. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Actually, outside, go outside on a time. Just to annoy people. Every hour. Every hour. Yeah. Every hour. <laughs> <laughs> they had a drink at Castle's here. Yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. That's cool. Yeah, I think you need to do that. Exactly. Exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Beer Got Me Here podcast with your co-host for this evening, Garrett, myself, Andy, and of course, our main man, Nick. So we are super excited with the guest we have today. Um, We actually have a gentleman by the name of Mario Bourgeois from Castle, woo, you got it, from Castle Brewery. So Castle Brewery can be found in Castleman, Ontario, a lovely little town situated about 30 minutes east of Ottawa, I believe. Um, The the brewery opened its doors in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, and has since been supplying an assortment of wonderful beer to folks all around the Ottawa region. In 2019, Castle Brewery moved to its new location and now features the 1844 pub for guests to wine and dine the night away, or should we say beer and dine the night away? So Mario Bourgeois is the co-owner and brewmaster of Castle Brewery, and we welcome him to the podcast. Mario, how are you, sir? Excellent. I'm, at, oh. I'm on my 15th beer, so everything's going so well. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Second of the day, so 15's 15's comment, right? That's thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Really thrilled to be uh, to be here. Always love podcasts, anything radio, interview, TV. So you know, I'm 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 shy. So you know, just be careful what you say. (laughs) Yeah, you sound very shy. Yeah, you sound very shy. Well, Mario, maybe start us off, sir. Can you tell us maybe just a little bit about yourself and Castle Brewery? Yeah, well, I'm the. I had another interview this afternoon for uh, an article that will be going to the uh, Agro Food uh, Agro Food Network in Eastern Ontario. Eastern Ontario Agro Food Network, and uh, I said I plainly said to the guy, the interviewer, I said, "Well, I'm the lemonade stand kid that you know thought, you know, I'd like to do. I'll have a business, and I started working when I was nine years old on the farm." And uh, went to high school, went auto mechanic, and at 20 years old, I decided, you know, auto mechanic, it's not for me. Too many mechanics were miserable, saying, like, I hate this job, I can't do this anymore, and it's like, uh, I don't want to do that. So I decided to go work for somebody else at a convenience store and decide what I wanted to do, and I started doing web development in 2000. And started my computer company, network service, uh, corporate level, corporate network maintenance, and internet access, and everything. Building websites. So, yeah, 2006, I had my first sip of the Lugthread from uh, from Bose, and uh, it was like, wow, like it's like hay in your mouth. I love this. I was a Molson Canadian drinker, right? So, um, I said, this is amazing. I'd like to make my own, and. Um, I looked up Sabco Magic System at the time, and I said, I have the electrical, plumbing, welding skills. Why not? I'll build my own rig, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll brew some beer at home. And I did my first uh, American Pale Ale, which wasn't really an American Pale Ale. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. 
Uh, there was a guy near Canada that was selling uh, supply. I don't remember his name. I don't think he's doing it anymore. Um, but uh, I reached out to him and said, I want to brew some beer. And he said, um, well, what do you want to brew? I don't know. Like, <laughs> APA. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it sounded good. American Pale Ale. I said, okay, I'll get you the kit and you'll be able to brew. So I brewed the first batch with a neighbor friend of mine. And uh, it was success. You know, it was good. It was good beer. I was pretty happy with it. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to tell you, I started brewing with kits. You know, yeah. little lame kits. Mm, yeah. Something I want to forget in my life. You know, that's, you know, I, I was just <laughs> so shitty. Oh, geez, that's bad. That was bad. The, the Coopers. Who remember the Coopers? <laughs> have you ever tried those? No, well, I've done like, like, say I have. No, like, like, the, is it similar to like the Brooklyn brew? Like, I don't. I don't know. Kids. The Cooper is like a thick syrup and there's a little mm. packet of yeast and hops on top. Right. And mm. it, I think it wasn't good because <laughs> the way I did it to <laughs> me, I boiled the thing on, on the stovetop, put in the, uh, the carboy, put the yeast on top, put the hops on top. I didn't know what it was. What, what the hell is that? What <laughs> powder? It must all go like a cake, like all in there. Taste is so bad. Anyway, I guess I <laughs> want to forget about that. So let's let's go let's go forward. And um, so yeah, I brought my first batch. I said, you know, at every instance in my life where I had an idea and I started something new, so I I could probably do a business with that. Yeah. So I decided to uh, you know pursue that endeavor and and get the brewery going. The first name I had was Nation Brewery because the Nation Municipality, and then I went uh -huh. to Castle Brewery. And I reached out to a friend of mine, Michelle Gassin, who did all my design and logo, and he jumped in as uh, for marketing. And then Benjamin Bessie as well jumped in uh, on the sell side. Um, they have left. Now I'm the only owner of Castle Brewery, but they went and pursued other projects that they had. And, and um, uh, yeah, so that's 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 pretty uh, that's pretty good. And, it, yeah, there wasn't any problem or anything when we left. We left a good term, so that, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm was very really important cool. to me yeah so the brewery itself was i correct the brewery opened its doors in 2012 2012 uh it was supposed to be uh july 7th but that was my wedding anniversary that's today it's today today's yeah. july 7th. yeah <laughs> and i was supposed to be at the campground but uh the, the reception i tested that with my uh my marketing assistant cassie and it didn't work well so i said hey, i'm gonna stay home so hey here i am guys <laughs> and no. if i'm not uh if i'm not mistaken mario this was the uh the first franco ontarian brewery exactly so that's where the beer franco came from and uh mm. we, we we played that angle pretty pretty strong um kind of sadly a little bit is not every franco ontarian followed that i mean not everybody jumped on the wagon of having their beer named franco so I know some Italian guys were really thrilled with that. You know, Franco, <laughs> hey, my name's Franco. <laughs> yeah, it's for uh, the Italians as well. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. That's Please a someone. <laughs> yeah. So we um we 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 dealt with a lot of financial challenges throughout the years. It's really hard to make it in the business. It's mm -hmm. it's it's not something to get rich quick, obviously, no business is. Um, and especially not those infomercial at midnight on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Um, yeah, it was pretty <laughs> tough. And uh, in 2018, it was um, it was a pretty dark year in terms of having to decide if we close door or even well worse than that, go bankrupt, belly up. And uh, I approached Brian and Terry that owns the Brian's Bar and Grill in Castleman. And every time I was meeting Brian, we we're talking about brewery stuff and stuff like that. So, and um, I went to Brian and Terry. I said, "I'm at a crossroad. Either I go full or I get into a pub setting." Because just to situate people, we used to be downtown Castleman. Okay, downtown Castleman. There's nothing there. Like there's <laughs> there's no traffic. I mean. Not that there's nothing, they've really improved the downtown atmosphere right. and the look, but mm -hmm. there's no traffic. Right. So we're losing it. We're losing the battle. Um, so I went to them and said, hey, you want to partner up? And he said, you know what? We're not going to partner up with you. We'll leave the brewery to you. But we always wanted to have a pub. So we'll pay for it to get you here. And we'll pay for all the renovation. We'll get the pub going. We'll get you to move here. And that's what saved us, you know? Hmm. Uh, now we get people to come in our place, enjoy the atmosphere of our pub, uh, and enjoy our beers, obviously. And we we now have the tap right beside us, so we're able to do specialty beers the way we want it and release them just on the other side of the hall. So so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's really awesome. Why that? Why is it 1844? Is that what it is? Well, Castleman was inaugurated as Castleman in 1844. Uh, so, uh, by Martin Castleman. So that's why we name it after that. And the Bistro Pub Eateries, like to put it like French Anglo title. So, yeah. That's right. Look at that. Is there a large um, French Canadian community in Castleman? Yeah. It's pretty pretty close to the border, right? Yeah. Pretty much all East Ontario, like Prescott Russell. You know, it's yeah. a, a lot of French people. And uh, we're, we're getting even more diverse cultural wise in area now because since pandemic a lot of people have been flocking out of the city yeah mm -hmm. um so people from montreal so that's pretty cool to see you know um we get people of different culture and uh, obviously it will dilute the french community if you will but you know we're perfectly bilingual so it doesn't really, doesn't really matter to me anyway <laughs> <laughs> As long all as right. you're selling beer. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's all that matters. Bottom line. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think something that's really cool and I think something that you can provide for listeners is the longevity of your brewery. So it's 2012. That's pretty senior in terms of a lot of craft breweries that exist that are that are only maybe five, four years old. I mean, that's just like to have a brewery that's almost a decade old, that's, that's pretty old in terms of the crappier world. And like you said, um, I'm sure there has been ups and downs financially. Um, but in terms of having a brewery for, I guess, coming close to 10 years, um, I think, is it safe to say that we hear from folks that, well, like breweries, it's, it's a really hard business to, to succeed and to make a lot of money and, and to, to actually, to, to, gain a, a strong following and make a solid profit but in terms of your situation you've been able to do it for a while is there is there a secret to your situation mario well navigating the uh the financial uh, the financial world and, and and proving to lenders that we can make it and how many times we restructured the debt just to say you know we have a formula now this is going to work and it didn't work um mm -hmm. so 
it was it was pretty tough. So to put things in perspective here, when we started out, we we were really inclined on becoming a distribution brewery as all the breweries have started, right? Uh, to make it into distribution. And we, we were at, at some point thinking that maybe that's not the path we should take because it will take so much money to make it. To, so much money you need to burn before it gets back to you. And uh, But we were so deep in it already, we had to pull through. And, and, and 2018 was a year that, you know what? We tried everything we could. We can't make it. We can't. We have a hard time. We have a hard time finding a sales rep. A sales rep is so hard to find in any industry, not just the brewing world. So that was very detrimental into it, it, towards our project. And uh, it takes so much money. The margins, the LCBO, you're already taking 28% off your margin. So... So that, it's that high, eh? Wow. That high. Yeah, for our Franco, I'll be honest, our Franco, we make 12 cents of profit per can, net profit, at the end of operation and everything, bottom line. Wow. So that's a from, lot, man. From we the LCBO cool. when you sell. To LCBO, the LCBO, exactly. So I tell people, you're better off buying the beer at your neighboring brewery directly yeah. in the retail store. Although we appreciate you buying our beer from the LCBO, but if you buy it from us, you gave us 28% more on the can. You know, that helps us even more than if you buy the LCBO. Um, but I, I understand the convenience of it. It makes sense, right? For so, sure. Yeah. Maybe you could talk a little bit towards that, Mario. Like when we, you know, we talk a lot about craft breweries on our, like when we run our events and when we have podcasts and things like that. But you mentioned specifically, you know, going it for, for the distribution aspect. So maybe you could, you know, take both sides of the coin and, and, you know, explain that a little bit. What what would be the opposite side? Like going for distribution and then maybe the opposite sort of goal. Maybe you could talk to those two points. Yeah, absolutely, Garrett. So distribution is your goal is going province wide, national wide, international. You yeah. so you need a big brew house, you need a big system, you need a big team, and a look at both, for example. You know, they're in the distribution world. Mm-hmm. Um, where the money is when you bring people home, and for that you need a pub. You need to create an atmosphere. You need to create an experience. You need to tell, to ask people to come over and experience our brewery. So for that, you need a smaller system. You're selling pints at high margins. You're making more margins than people that eat will likely take beer to take out. And you're organizing comedy show, music, um, pandemic aside, obviously, but that's pretty much over. Mm-hmm. We'll, 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 we'll be back to normal. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's about the experience and although it takes it not that it takes more more effort than distribution distribution obviously takes more cash a mm-hmm. lot more cash capital intensive capital intensive and when it comes to a restaurant and pub well it's really demanding uh, you know it's restaurant business restaurant business yeah. is notorious for margin they're, mm-hmm. not, they're not they're not greater than breweries not at all by any means it's even tougher uh, staff in the kitchen, staffing the floor, but you know we and and also location, location, location. You know it's true. Right. We we're in a bad location. Now we're beside the four seventeen. We're about to put a sign on the rooftop, so you know that really helps. So you got distribution, mm-hmm. you got pub atmosphere. So either you keep people home or you try to get people throughout the province to buy your product. Okay, cool. No, that's a great distinction. Yeah, for sure. And obviously. Each one has its own challenges. I imagine there's probably a passion for each of them too, right? You know, it really sort of where you want to go. Um, I guess probably, mo- well, 
I wouldn't say all the breweries that, you know, we've visited and we, we sort of work with are distribution oriented. There's probably, I'd say, a good mix of each. Um, but it's cool just to see, you know, that you got those sort of, sort of two paths and yeah. depends on where you want to go. Exactly. And, and with what, you know, the pandemic brought really something really positive for us is uh, in terms of delivery and shipping throughout Ontario. Uh, we really mm -hmm. we were able to po polish this offer. So you can say we're doing distribution now at a lower cost. And if I would have had like millions of dollars in the bank, I would have said, I'll go distribution. I'll get a 60 barrel brew house. I'll get the sales team in place. I'll burn money until I make it. And I'll worry about tomorrow. But it's rarely the case of any brewery that start anyway. Yeah. And, sure. and sometimes you will get these guys that will start a brewery like that, like right off the bat, major brewery. And all the bells and whistle and look at these guys what they're doing they're probably lawyers the millions in the bank and they don't really have the passion for brewery it's just it's a business i'm starting a business so uh we're maybe maybe sometimes brewers and brewery owners like myself we're just too passionate and you know we <laughs> i don't know <laughs> maybe that comes up a lot though like the that healthy mix between passion and business and sometimes obviously the line will get a little blurred but that actually it's a topic that comes up a lot actually on this podcast kind of often um yeah. Yeah. and yeah I, I wouldn't say being too passionate is a bad thing I, I like to think at least you know us here andy nick and i very passionate and we see that as a benefit so absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's thing. what fuels that's what fuels your focus too you know um i'm i'm yes i'm passionate about the brewing world i'm even more passionate about the entrepreneur world um so you know i have a, a railside roastery which is my roasting coffee roasting business i have brewery trader that's my equipment business and i built uh, over 30 breweries uh provided 30 breweries with equipment and consultation and uh and, and i still do today and have an online store and um <laughs> and you know even though castle i'll be honest castle has paid me over the last nine years 10 10 grand in salary that's that's pretty good um <laughs> i don't know if it's good but yeah, but, <laughs> yeah it's better than nothing uh, yeah <laughs> but but to me the reward is see the brewery flourishing and i have brewery trader which is my you know my my main business that provides me my salary and actually help castle survive through all these uh these financial uh struggle um, so I have what it takes to live on and castle, you know, we're on the right track. Like last year we made our first little profit, profitable year. Um, and this year we're on track to be close to that. So we never been that close. So that's, that's pretty cool. And that's awesome. yeah. And, and a lot of people say, geez, you're honest like that with numbers. I say, yeah, every client that I talk to, of course, yeah. You want to know numbers? <laughs> you want to know reality? This is my reality. There might be breweries maybe a lot of them that made money right off the bat i'd be surprised mm. i'd be very mm. surprised just to tell you an anecdote on that we applied for a loan at bdc and uh we send them the numbers i was like probably five years ago something like that so we send them the numbers that we had and they came back to us and the, our numbers were bad i'll be honest it was freaking bad <laughs> there was no way we're getting a loan from bdc so the loan manager came back to us and say yeah or um our uh, underwriter went through it and said, uh, everything's fine. Everything's oh. fine. What do you mean fine? <laughs> We're losing money. Like it, it, it's like a drain pan. He said, Oh, 
That's pretty much every brewery we lend money to. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, cool. Let's like, let's send you some money then. So, <laughs> that was kind of weird though. And it's like me, me and my partner Benjamin, we look at each other, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. He said, and he came from a financial background yeah. at, the, uh, at the, the bank and, and doing commercial loans. And he said, I don't get it. And well, maybe and with the other breweries, they saw no risk. Exactly. said it's a brewery. Ah, they'll figure it out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. People love beer. Flawless. Flawless plan, right? They must be pretty relaxed. They're drinking beer all day. So yeah. wrong. <laughs> they probably own a brewery on the side maybe maybe so but things have changed with pandemic now you know any new breweries that wants to start they better have a lot of money aside and ready to burn because the because the the bank uh they're not going to loan any money to to a brewery that says hey i want a restaurant although the brewery is essential business considered essential but the Mm -hmm. pub or the restaurant isn't and if you don't have the pub restaurant which is your money maker Right. What happens to your bottom line? What happens to your sales? Mm-hmm. That's pretty low. So I, I I see it with the amount of quote requests I get from Brewery Trader. I used to get like really, really regular every week, every day. But now it's it's getting, you know, really low in terms of requests. Right. Well, yeah, makes sense. That's pretty cool. I like that you have those, you know, those multiple avenues of entrepreneurship. And even just checking out, you know, uh, Castle's website, you guys have, and not, not just beer, right? You guys got soda and, and hot sauces and coffee and maple syrup. And I, you know, you don't usually you'll see one or two, you know, other sort of ancillary products on other craft breweries websites. You guys got the works. You guys, it's like a one-stop yeah. shop for your for your whole weekend. So and that's, that's the awesome. avenue. It's great. And that's the avenue we went for. And anything that relates to beer, what you do with beer, you barbecue. So what you need barbecue, mm-hmm. you need charcoal, you need pellets. All right, let's get that. In. You you probably have hot sauces. You need barbecue sauces you need spices you need rubs you're going to eat chips you're going to eat sausages so everything goes with it and that's that's an idea uh, we had in december 2019 and we were all rigged up with just basic sausages chocolate popcorn i believe and there was uh, beer snacks as well um from ottawa so we started with that got some cardboard boxes hey let's gear up for christmas and we're going to launch our online store we launched the online store. Me being a veteran web developer, everything was set. Crickets, no sales, no sales at Christmas. And that was December 2019. So in January, we look at the stock that we had. So, okay, boys, we can eat that. We can eat the stock. And uh, what do we do with cardboard? This freaking cardboard. We're not going to do anything. I said, oh, we all said together is a, there has to be something. We never thought it was going to be a virus. So, you know. <laughs> We're sorry. It's not us. We haven't. We didn't do anything for COVID. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So everything when when COVID hit, like we were ready. We we're ready to distribute, and we just right. uh, added like delivery, and we were charging delivery, and we no longer do. Um, so we were ready, and that cardboard on the shelf. We were wondering if we're we're going to use it. I bought like multiple skids of cardboard after that. <laughs> like mm, crazy. There you go. Um, yeah, so our diversity really helped us get us through the pandemic alongside with government help, obviously. So you, so obviously the pub was not, has not, is it open? The pub is open now. 
I, they I, shoot I open uh, the patio, so when it rains, it's pretty shitty because we need to <laughs> cancel. It's a rain day, and uh, it's pretty sad when it's on a Friday. It was stage three, I think. They're saying like July twenty first or something mm-hmm. like that. So hopefully it will. Um, so then you can have folks inside the pub, correct? Yeah. Exactly. You can have folks inside. We have a hundred seat capacity. Oh wow. Um, and that includes a patio too, but the patio is an extra normally 20, 24, I believe. So, but you know, the, when it's nice out there, there's not as many people inside. So how far did your distribution change Mario during the, the pandemic? Were you able to expand your reach in terms of deliveries or like how far, this is sort of a side question as well, but how far do I have to go to find um, castle Castlebury beer like where well, we can i find it flat rate shipping throughout ontario for 12 bucks a uh, minimum order of uh 50 dollars or 75 is it 50 or 75 anywhere in ontario anywhere in ontario uh, we also we we don't market it but it's like it's really a great area there's no black and white on that there's a restriction of shipping province wide canada wide i mean it's like it, I asked OCB about that, uh, Scott Simmons. I said, hey, Scott, what's up? We want to ship beer across Canada. How can we do it? He came back to me and said, each province is different. There's no black or white. I can't really tell you what to do because I don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah. So I said to mm-hmm. myself, I said, fuck it. I'm going to open it up. <laughs> and if you go on our site, if you're from BC, you go on our site, and then you check out our beer. Oh, there is a BC option. We'll ship up. We'll ship up. Oh, yeah. But we don't advertise it, so yeah, that's that's, that's it. Yeah. Any any province, you can do that. Exactly. So Amazing. if we get pinched for us, we'll be pretty stupid. But might it might raise awareness for it and change things actually. So for sure. No, yeah, I feel you're definitely not alone. It seems during COVID and after COVID, these rules are are not very clear in terms of shipping and distribution. Yeah. What you and if do. anyone decides to say anything, like. We are still coming out of a pandemic. What are you going to do? Pinch a small business? Get, go get a life. Go do something else. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You'll get a life. And, <laughs> and, and AGCO, for for example, you know they they they, they lack the amount of staff because ever since the can, can, cannabis uh, licenses started, they were already mm-hmm. understaffed. Now they're even more understaffed. And they're they're really cool to work with, you know. If if we get pinched for it, they'll tell us you can't do that anymore. Okay, but I'll go to OCB with that though, and uh, let, let's try to fight for it. There's no to me. There's no reason why there's different freaking liquor laws in each province. It should be federal jurisdiction, yeah. and it should be all the same. People of BC want beer, send them beer. You know, but that's preaching to the choir, Mario. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mario, are you able to, being so close to the Quebec border, how difficult or how easy is it to you for you to get your beer into sales, into actually selling at locations in Quebec? Is that out of the question? Is that impossible? Well, it's not out of the question, but it, it requires a lot of capital investment, I think, right. or in because you need to hire a consultant. I, and if I recall correctly, uh, you need to have a warehouse in Quebec. You need to have a staff in that warehouse that does quality control. And uh, so you need to man that warehouse. So it's pretty demanding 
through capital inject, injection, I, I don't know if how profitable it would be, but one thing is for sure. And when we look at, for example, Wood Brothers are beside the Quebec border, um, they're able to sell their beer much higher than we can because Quebec is accustomed to paying more for their beer. You know, our, our caboose, that, a caboose IPA that we sell at four bucks, we could easily sell it for six in Quebec and they'll still oh. say that's cheap. But sell a $6 can of beer in Ontario? Oof. Yeah. That's it's a hard. hard. It's hard. It's hard. And it's <laughs> sad because when you look at the taxes between both provinces, there's not much different. Yeah. There's not much difference at all. So it's just the mentality of it. And it makes it harder for Ontario breweries to, to, to make a good living out of brewery because of that. Is that it? It's it really is just a mentality. It's Ontario consumers just don't want to pay that much. That's what I think. It, Why would you want to pay more though? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If people in Quebec, people in Quebec are okay with paying more. Yeah, because I, they they respect and love their beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think we're getting a don't pay for it here in the province, but it's just yeah, it's a mentality. It's it, it's always been like that, and I think. And I've been thinking about it for a while. Like we should get really a movement of all craft breweries and raise up the prices gra- just gradually, not go insane. If you sell it for four fifty, don't go for eight fifty mark in a month. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But let's let's all bring it up, bring it up, and and it increases our margins, increases profit. We can do more for the community. We can give back. You know, it's it's you know it, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Rent and hydro is cheaper in Quebec than in, than it is in Ontario. So that's probably why people want to pay less in, in Ontario for their beer. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm paying an arm and a leg just to live here. Why would I want to pay more for beer? Well, we're pretty we're pretty uh, fortunate here in Castleman because we're, we're uh, under uh, Ottawa Hydro. And uh, Ottawa Hydro is cheaper than Hydro 1. Oh, there you go. Just, but our, our brew house is on, it runs on steam. We don't use much electricity at all. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's neat. Yeah, I've that's the that yeah, that's the first I've heard of it. Is that normal for a brewery to run on steam, like you said? In, yeah, steam, of, yeah. steam water. So, uh, for a brewery, for a brew house, you have a choice of a steam, steam jackets, an electric element in the kettle, and the HLT, or you can go direct fired for uh, for a kettle and HLT. So that's a fire box under the tank. You have a big blower, much much like a furnace. Here. And uh, so those are the three types. Uh, and when it comes to steam, well, it's easier to maintain. It's uh, it's a really nice heat. And uh, we were just lucky. We had a cleaner here in town who uh, closed shop. And they had like a 1986 Fulton steam board at the back. And uh, I'm a distributor for Fulton. I'm their uh, brewery trader. So I reached out to uh, the territory manager and I said, hey, Chris, what do you think about that? 1986. 1986 that's a boat anchor well it was working yesterday when they stopped the cleaner why can't i pick it up so you can try you're probably gonna put 10 15 grand in as well i'm gonna try and i put two three hundred bucks in it and it still works fine today uh Uh, so so yeah that's that's pretty cool that's great (laughs) steam steam powered brewery nice parallel to the steam engine logo that you have yeah exactly exactly we want to put a whistle in the brewery we haven't I haven't come around with that yet. I need to put an outlet and do the steam whistle. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Actually, outside, do outside on a timer. 
just to annoy people yeah. at night. Every hour. Every hour. Yeah. Every yeah. hour. <laughs> <laughs> they had a drink at Castle Beer. Yeah. That, that's a great idea. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I think you need to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, Mario, it seems like it seems like you wear multiple hats, to say the least. Like you are now the the principal owner and the head brewer. Is that correct? There's no uh, one. There's no one who assists you with the brewing process. My head of... brewer is uh, Tyler Swan. He's uh, he's okay. been with us. Uh, he's been with me for. He started in 2017, I believe. And he was taught by, he was just a home brewer. He comes from, he lives in Ambrim. He was just a home brewer. And I have Jean-Francois Calzenat. You guys know him. Jean-Francois Calzenat from Aladérive. Um, so I hired him as a home brewer to help assist me when I was the brewmaster. And uh, he decided to go to Niagara College to study. Yeah. Become a brewmaster, mm-hmm. certified one. Because I've never been. I just read the John Palmer out of brew. Uh, <laughs> I was self-certifying. <laughs> so it's all, you, it's all you need when you own the brewery. Exactly. And when GF announced that to me, it was like, oh, really? He's like, I'm like an eight out of ten as a home brewer. He was like a twelve out of ten. He was really, really, really good. So I said to him, you know what? I'm going to twist that into a positive way. I say, GF. Once you're out of college in 18 months, I want to rehire you as a brewmaster, and uh, and you're gonna run production. That's what he did, and now he decided to take his own wings and go. Uh, he opened up Ala Derive in uh, in Gatineau, uh-huh. um, so he has a pub and he's uh, brewing off location as well. And uh, we're can- we were canning for him today. Actually, uh, we bought a canning line, so we're helping him canning uh, today. That's uh, so Tyler and Liam were over there. Liam Walker assistant brewer and to tell you honestly i was telling that to tyler and liam i could go back on the brew deck but i i haven't been there for a long time so i would i would be able to go back on the horse but so much has changed and and these guys are are doing a phenomenal job and uh they take a lot of pride in the beer and the beer's so good I'd have a hard time to go back on the brew deck and, and copy what they do. Uh, I'm sure I'll be able to learn it. And that's something that's really important today. Any brewery, any people that wants to start a brewery who have that dream in mind or are avid home brewers and great home brewers, everybody loves their beer. And that's how I started. Back then in 2012, I had the luxury to be a home brewer and say, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I think people like my beer. I'm going to be commercial. Today, because we were the eighth brewery in Eastern Ontario to open, uh, mm-hmm. alongside Beyond the Pale, Broadhead, Big Rig. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had the luxury of being home brewers, and yeah, you know what? We're going to wing it, and it's going to work. <laughs> 2021, can't wing it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a great cook. I'm a great cook at home. I'm a, I'm, I'm a home pit master, whatever. And I would never see myself starting a restaurant. I, I would never be able to be a chef because it's, it's a different world and, and I can't, I can't afford that. It's the same thing for breweries. So each new client that comes to me, I ask them, so do you have a brewmaster? And we'll say, most likely we'll say, no, I brew great beer home and everything. I believe you do. I tell you, would you start a kitchen without a chef? So, well, no, I wouldn't get a brewmaster. Mm-hmm. You got to have great beers off the gate. You have to. Because it's gonna bite you very freaking quickly too. So, yeah, yeah, it makes but, sense. 
But there was a time, Mario, that you were juggling both the managerial roles and the brewing capacity that was that did exist at the early stages. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I still have, I still do the, the dirty work, if you will. And I'm still involved in, in daily operations. Although there's a part of me that tells like, tells me I should hire someone and do the stuff I do uh, on a daily basis and just step back and be the, you know, be the CEO in the office and everything. I can't do that. Like my day needs to be filled with unknowns and it needs to be, I can't stand routine. Every day I have something in mind and it changes <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I have Daryl, uh, right, who works with me on Brewery Trader side for logistics delivery of Castle Beer. And he's helping me like for rigging equipment, uh, industrial equipment and installing industrial equipment. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have him. He's really mechanical. That really helps me. But I'm still in the day to day. And I still enjoy that. Although, yeah, it's kind of it's good. Yeah, out of routine. Well, it's the fun stuff, right? Gotta gotta get your hands hands dirty sometimes, or all the time, I guess. From sounds like uh, how you like to operate. Exactly, and I spent so much time in the office. And I was a web developer, like every day, all day, and uh, I can't do that anymore. So, especially when it's nice outside, you know, it's nice and sunny. I have to do bookkeeping. It's like, oh, you need to get out of here. <laughs> Try to speed it up and just go pack a tank in a container or whatever. I'll do something. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you don't really like to to sit still, Mario. Is that fair to say? It's really fair to say, and uh, you know, yeah, I've considering seen... co making coffee and making <laughs> but barbecue equipment is that is that what I heard? Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much furnishing people's cottages and campsites. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No, I don't like routine. And, you know, we go, our family, we go camping and I, I'll take five minutes to sit down and then I have to, I'm thinking of something to do. I need mean, not, not necessarily bicycle. Is there something I can fix on the RV? There's something on there. There's something I could do. Or I go on the laptop and think about business ideas. Okay. I got to do this and this and that. So to me, and my wife knows that. And my wife and me, we've been together for 26 years. I'm 42. We started going out at 16. She knows wow, me nice. oh. and she knows I can't stand still and I, I, I want to do stuff. Uh, I do take time with family though. And it's really important. Uh, I wish I could take more time, but business calls. So, um, but there'll be a time we'll have more time. So we're, we're starting a little business. Our family, we're doing microgreens uh, in, in the fall. So just really side business delivering to folks in Castleman, but I do it. I'm doing that with my, my wife, daughter and son. So, um, will be called the, the four green thumbs. So <laughs> <laughs> but just to spend more time again with family. So, so I, had to, awesome. I had to think about a business to spend more time with family. <laughs> Put them to work. Whatever it takes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and those are valuable skills though, yeah. right? You know, I'm sure your, I'm sure your family appreciates it or maybe, maybe they don't now, but I'm, at, at some point in the future, I'm sure they will. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right, Garrett. Absolutely. So, but Mary, you said, okay, but, but another business that you have, I could be wrong here, but it's actually selling brewery equipment. Is that yep. correct? Exactly. So that's kind of, that's a big, that's a big business that you run. Exactly. So I'm interested in that side of things. So you're, where are, where do you sell to? 
like where are most, and maybe you're not allowed to say this, if this is client confidentiality, but like regions, do you sell mostly inside of Canada? Are there particular locations that are really kind of hot and heavy that are wanting more equipment, whether that be because of a boom in the industry in that particular location? Do you sell to the United States, anywhere else? Uh, primarily Ontario and Quebec. So uh, west of Quebec, I yep. go as far as sets in, but it's pretty far. It's the only one over there. And um, in Ontario, south of Ontario, eastern Ontario, obviously. I have one in the United States, one out west, but it's not really my market. There's other players there. Uh, they're playing every year over there. So um, really Ontario, Quebec. And, um, and yeah, so not really any hotter regions than others, but, but yeah, Ontario, Quebec. Interesting. And it's not, not anywhere specific. Like Ottawa isn't your main area necessarily. It just all over Ontario. Well, I have great support in Ottawa, obviously uh, as trade dog conspiracy theory. Cool. Um, um, and then um, there's also uh, uh, a conspiracy theory. And I've sold some tanks. like took the boo, for example, I'm selling equipment to big rig as well, smaller equipment. And uh, Spark Brewing as well. They have my okay, sister yeah. there too, yeah. John Sproul. So, so yeah, a lot of support in the region. And um, and it's all word of mouth because I've never done marketing on brewery trader side. Um, you know, I haven't posted much on my Facebook page, but now we're going to start because I have to pivot brewery trader into being a, an equipment supplier, mm-hmm. known as an equipment supplier, and pivot to be a, a supply supplier. So mm. what I mean is cleaning brushes, we got in chemicals, uh, we have all the fittings, um, we'll be getting like pail, nitro gloves, stuff like that. So we got, I want to become like the U-line of breweries and where you need something, you just come on our website and, and, and order. Because um, I think there'll be a gap in between having a lot of big item orders. I'm not going to stop selling equipment and providing equipment to breweries by any means, but not going to be my main focus, if you will. So you sell even shop. like, even like larger equipment, like tanks and. Yeah, we go up to 30 barrels of can export. Uh, we just delivered a 25 barrel brew house to Sir John in the shoot. Um, so they bought us a five barrel, a little bit more than two years ago. Wow. They're switching to 25 barrel and uh, they build a new facility and everything. Um, so, uh, yeah, so some breweries are expanding. Yeah, a lot of them are just staying the way the way they have it. They are adding fermenters, for example. Right. Is that do you sell only new equipment or used as well? New, and I can source used. I have a lot of contacts in the used market. Mm-hmm. Uh, used market is not that abundant at this point, which is a good sign. But you know, there's sadly breweries will be going belly up. And I I remember when I was in Nashville for the Crab Brewers Conference in 2018, I think it was. Um, they were saying there was like a three, I think it was, if I recall correctly, a 3% uh, bankruptcy rate in the brewing industry. And they were expecting it to go to 5%. And they say, don't be alarmed. Like it's 50% in restaurant business. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even, yes, there will be breweries that will be going bankrupt, you know, and uh, so... It happens. And then harnessing that used equipment, well, we need the buyers for it too. 
So even though I had the lenders ready to buy, to, act, to do an acquisition of equipment of a bankruptcy, for example, I'm going to sit on it for how long before I sell it. So that's right. another thing. Well, where it's do you, business. yeah, Merritt, well, where do you, do you see in your prediction, we're coming out of the pandemic, so it's kind of a difficult place to, to make any predictions of where things will be. But do you see, like, I believe that for the last, before the pandemic, like the last decade, the increase in craft breweries was so substantial, like up to like 20% some years in terms of craft breweries just popping up nationwide. Can that growth continue? Is it going to continue? Are we in the middle of a big bubble? Are we going to see, is that 5% bankruptcy rate going to start creeping up pretty steadily? Or is it going to be stable and we're going to see more craft breweries be able to to open and start sustaining themselves, start grabbing more market share from the ma- the macro breweries. What mm-hmm. t- be our wizard, be our future teller, please. In my crystal ball, um, yeah, I think I think we're looking to stabilizing the market with what we have. You know, those that have emerged uh, past the pandemic, like we did, and we survive. Although we have scars and we're, we have bandings over it will be fine, we'll survive. Um, there'll be a stabilization because there won't be as many new players coming in. Mainly, I think, not because the brewery side, because the brewery side were essential by the farmers, we're deemed essential. That's cool. So that means they can never <laughs> close us, really, because alcohol is so important. Uh, <laughs> some people that will alcohol, be really mad here. <laughs> yeah, for better or for worse, it's exactly. essential. But you do need, you do need, like I said earlier, you do need a pub to make it work. You do need a restaurant. And as, as many good intentions a new brewery will have in opening up to say, I want to open a brewery, the bank was like, oh, all right, that's cool. Okay. And then uh, we're going to have a restaurant because the restaurant really helps the brewery that it got, the banker's going to take the back door and just run away. So, so that it's going to be so hard to get capital investment for new breweries so i think this is where the stabilization will have for a few years i believe and then after that maybe we'll get new players that come come in play but when it comes to the restaurant business i think we're going to see like a really high really big increase of uh of clients in restaurant because a lot of restaurants sadly went bankrupt or decided not to continue and that reduces the dilution of offer, right? Because there's so mm-hmm. many restaurants. That's going to help us a lot because we're going to be busy more than ever. But on the other side, which is always another side, you know, um, the staff, so hard against staff, and especially mm-hmm. the restaurant business. So what happened, and I read an article in the Restaurant Association of Canada, is they... Um, a lot of the, the high-level staff, the high, the recognized chef and the recognized waiter and waitresses, they they looked at that and said, hey, we're not essential by the government. They can close us down anytime, so let's change character back. So they change career. They go study for something else, and that creates a big gap of staff. So although we'll be busy as hell, I think we might have an issue of maintaining service because mm. the lack of, of, uh, of staff. So that's where I see the market going. I'm not too afraid about many bankruptcies. Like I said, breweries are deemed essential and we made it work. Just not 
might keep this for a couple of years. I think it's about the same number. Well, we'll have a few new ones, obviously. You know, but it's it's really slowed down. You're saying that we're going to be more stable as opposed to having 200 breweries close in the next month, something like that. I think so. I think so. And and the opposite, seeing 200 new breweries popping up in the next year, right, in Ontario. It's not happening. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, it, it like when we went from being downtown Castleman concentrating distribution, we got into a sad phase of not being able to have fun making beer, right? We're stuck doing our staples, our mainstream, because that's what was paying the bills. And we, we, we weren't moving that much product, much specialty product. We didn't have capacity to do specialty product. And that's the fun thing about having a pub is we can make a beer, 10 days it's ready, we keg it up, put it on tap, let's give it a try. So now we have fun again. So this is why you need, you need to have a pub and restaurant attached to a brewery or just a tap room. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do at Castle too. Like we, our kitchen opens at four, but before that we have snacks. So we brought in the whole line the whole line of Art Bite chips from BC. They have 17 flavors. I said, I want to box each one of them. And uh, they <laughs> sent us this kid, 280 bags of chips. That's amazing. And, wow. <laughs> so oh, that's what chips. we offer. Yeah, and that's what we offer our clients uh, before the kitchen opens. We have beef jerky from Bamies and Thunder Bay, Hard Bite chips, we have Yow popcorn, and we have uh, beer snacks as well. So people can snack while having a beer, and people really enjoy that. Got to be munching on something with the brew. That's cool. And I like that you're sourcing a lot of those from, you know, not necessarily just Ontario, different parts of Ontario, but also different parts of Canada too. Uh, I always, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, but I always look for something different. I guess that's sort of what led me to the craft beer industry is like, you know, I'm looking for something different, something, something, you know, to, to test my taste buds a little bit, or even just variety. Right. Uh, And having that in, in everything you do, you know, obviously from the variety of, of options of food and drink and, and maple syrup, barbecue sauces. Um, it really highlights, you know, or maybe not highlights, but I think it makes the experience that much better when you can taste things pretty much from all over the country, but at one spot. Um, it's really unique. Anyways, I think it's really cool. Exactly. Thanks. Uh, you know, you're very entrepreneurial and, you know, you think that the brewery industry might be a little bit stable, but the fact that you've, you know, started a number of different businesses. If you had to give one piece of advice for an up and coming entrepreneur, maybe specific to craft beer, maybe not, what would that one piece of advice be? Well, my piece of advice would be based on a book that changed my life uh, back in early 2000. Because I was, I was a little bit of a negative guy and uh, I, had, I had to reach out and I found the book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking by Vince, Norman Vincent Peale. And although there's a lot of religious angle to it, I put that aside and I took what I needed from the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's to stay positive in business. You know, every, sometimes I keep thinking about what business could I start where I won't have much challenges. It will be just coasting, coasting perfectly all the time. There's none of that. There's no industry that has no challenges. There will always be challenges. And mm-hmm. Although the situation we're in now and the situation we've been through makes me want to get into a ball and just cry and just, you know, bitch and moan. No, I'm keeping focus. Keep positive. It's going to be okay. We're going to figure it out and always be able to figure it out. So as an entrepreneur, you have to have the spirit of 
you'll figure it out. And if you go neg on the negative side, I call that the dark side, you're not going to be able to focus on the challenge ahead. You're going to lose a battle, buddy. You're going down and you're the only one to blame for that. So, and yeah, but the biggest piece of advice for entrepreneurs, keep focus and believe in law of attraction, meet people, talk to people, make contacts. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Within two so seconds of talking to you, you're just like, boom, positivity. You're yeah, just yeah. like happy to see us as if you haven't seen us for years and we're like <laughs> best buds. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, aren't we, uh, we, we are best buds, right? Yeah, we are. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah we got a buddy here. We're going to hang out next week. And if we can, yeah. we're coming up. Yeah. Podcast every week. Um, yeah, Mary, I think I really, I think that's very true. I think there's no room if you're running a, any sort of an enterprise or a business, whatever it is. I mean, if you're, if you're a, if you're pessimistic about things, I mean, you're, you're just doomed to fail from the very beginning, aren't you? It's going to eat you inside out. And this goes in life. I say entrepreneur, it goes in, in, in general as well in your life. You have negative people in your life, not, well, get rid of them. Just put them aside. Although if they need help, but if they, they you try to help them, it, it doesn't, it drags you down. Just, you have to step away, man. You, and and I say to everyone, the most important person in your life is yourself. It's you. It's you. It's not. It's not your parents. Not your brother, your sister, your your daughter's son, your wife. It's you. It, you're the most important person. So you got to think for yourself, and because uh, uh, otherwise you won't be able to help others, and that makes a big difference. Too. Not very very 100%. true. Yes yes yes. I guess maybe, Mario, I will end with a question as well, which is very similar to yours, Garrett, but um, in terms of a little bit more towards breweries, because I think particularly um, young or middle-aged, this is a bit of a stereotype, but I'll go with it, middle-aged men, they really have the passion and the desire to open a brewery. I think mm -hmm. that seems to be a trend, particularly in our country of Canada. So... You mentioned some components, um, a big one being, do you have a brewmaster if you want to open a brewery and you're, oh, you've been home brewing a little bit. You think you're going to run the show and brew the beer, like good luck. So that things like that are very, are, are, I think those are really important points, but is there something that people might, obviously you need to have, have experience and knowledge in business and probably have an entrepreneurial drive and probably not think that you're ever going to have a nine to five life again. All of those components I think are important to any entrepreneurial venture, but is there something that's particularly unique to craft brewing that folks don't really think about? And then maybe a year into opening a brewery, it's like, Oh, this was something that I should have had more preparation um, I should have had been more aware of, of this before getting, getting my, uh, well, if my... I think of something is, uh, don't, don't neglect the quality control of your beer. You know, um, you know, there's tools out there. There's, I, I recall we had a bad bout of contamination in the batch of golden rail. It turns out we weren't using the right sanitizer. We were using a quad sanitizer and it wasn't effective against lactobacillus. So our beer got infected and we realized that probably the chemical company. So, and we turned around and we got into parasitic acid and, and it, it solved the issue. But we always been really keen on quality control. And that's something 
that even though you're you're a home brewer, you want to really want to give it a shot and, and, and start out, get quality control right off the bat, be strict about it, and 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 tweak recipes along the way. We still tweak recipes now, you know. Um, so, and you know, and don't neglect marketing. That's another thing too. Mm-hmm. Pure beer is great, the greatest in the world, but it it's not selling because marketing is not being done properly. Uh, there's a lot of effort to put in marketing and it's it, a lot of effort and it's something we've been lacking throughout the years um we've always been having a presence on facebook but now we uh i have cassie on board she just started uh first year college in marketing and she's i thought in the beginning was she was going to be a diamond in the rough but she's pretty close to be a diamond she's really straight shooter and she knows what she's doing and she's just 20. And that's pretty cool. So have those people on board and, and surround yourself with the different skills because um, you're not going to be able to do it all by yourself. Although I try many times. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell. We can tell. Try. <laughs> yeah, always try. Always room for trying. Yeah. Well, I do have a, a bit of a two-parter question for you uh, before we end off. Um, so Castleman being relatively more of like a smaller community in I guess you'd be sort of the, the, the brewery there, you'd be fairly well known at since what, 2012, you said? Yep, exactly. So you'd be, yeah, you'd be fairly well known. So are there any kind of events or festivals that happen locally that you take part in or contribute to in some way? And is there anything, part B, is there anything that you do locally to contribute to the community as well? Well, in terms of festivals, we used to participate like 60 festivals a year. And uh, pretty much all of them were, were a loss in revenue. And in, at some point, yeah, you do see the marketing investment aspect of it. But, you know, losing money all the time is pretty sad. So it doesn't really work well. And it doesn't make any business sense. So we decided to cut ties with all festival, really, except to we're doing the Franco Festival, which we are exclusive. And we're doing the Kurtz Festival in St. Albert, which we are exclusive. And although we're exclusive, we're inviting uh, Tsuk and Etienne Brule, our uh, local friends here from Ambrim, uh, to join us. Uh, most of the time to come, Tsuk is always there at Kurt Festival. Hey, we're exclusive. We want to invite our closest friends, which is the neighboring town, two breweries, uh, so they come over. And, um, and, and when it comes to our community, where, for example, you know, it's, it's really hard to inject money when you don't have it, but, you know, to, to, to put time in your community or, or come out with something. Like for example, in the pandemic, uh, we were able to get our hands on two skids of sanitizer. So we delivered like, I think it was 20, 25 bottles of sanitizer in the food bank uh, bottle. They were out of sanitizer. So little gestures like that. Amazing. Well, Mario, we have taken an hour of your time, sir. I hey, think fine. I have will <laughs> I will speak for the three of us to say this is a has been a super lively discussion and we feel very privileged to have spoken with you. Well, same here, guys. Uh, really, sure. really thrilled to have been part of this podcast. And uh, yeah, geez, already an hour. Okay, it's fine. I know it's gone by really, really quickly. <laughs> We could have you till midnight. Well, it would have gone sideways at 11. (laughs) Mario, can we have you on again for another episode, maybe in in a little little while from now? Absolutely. Anytime. And uh, and 
you know, spread the word if anybody wants to reach out and, and I'm an open book in the industry. So that's right. Do you, can, can we, uh, any, anything to promote anything coming up at, at Castle Brewery that you want to talk about quickly or. Well, we're, uh, really, uh, we have our new England IP series, which is a series that goes by numbers. We started our first new England IP was a few years ago it was named number 34. because It was 34th recipe. Mm-hmm. And New England IPs at the time were not that popular, so we were ahead of the wave. Yeah, and it really catched on, and we brought it back. So now we're uh, we're brewing, we're canning number forty-one next week, and we have another beer called Layover, which was a session IP. So we decided to rebrand it to we'll have the forty-one New England IP seven percent. Then we're going to have the Layover forty-one and a half at three point five percent. So it'll be a session New England IP for those who want have all the flavor of the Haas, not that much alcohol. So each, both of these beers will come out at the same time. So that's pretty cool. We're using the same hops and uh, and pretty much close to the same bill, grain bill. So that's pretty cool. Fruit sours, we're, uh, we're still, uh, we have our Sour Track series. I'm just checking out some of the beers and the Sour Tracks ones sound really cool. Yeah, the next one starting, uh, release, be released Friday is Raspberry Watermelon and Lime. Um, and we just released our milkshake IPA, which is a comeback. Actually, we brought it back from, from, the, we dusted off that recipe and we did orange peach vanilla. That's like a candy. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're going back in barrel aging too. Um, we oh, stopped cool. barrel aging. We didn't have the space for it. Now we will the new warehouse we're brewing and we're uh, not brewing, but we're moving into next month. And so we're going to have a barrel aging program. We have, uh, 750 liters of maple rye that's waiting to go into cognac barrels, into uh, bourbon barrels. And, uh, Who provides you the barrels? Uh, we deal with a cooperage company. It's called, uh, I have a blank. His name is Nathan. Uh, <laughs> is it Crossroad? No, not Crossroad. I don't, I have a blank. I have a blank. But it's a company <laughs> in Quebec that has uh, all these barrels. Cool. You guys right, sell right. barrels? <laughs> Maybe soon, Mario. Maybe <laughs> soon. <laughs> That'd be a cool business to get into. Yeah, a cooperage. Yeah, it will be. Very cool. And you get you put a little bit of water in each one of them. You roll them right, and then you put over a pail. You collect that. That's you. That's you. That's your. It's that's it's your a very thing. very artisanal craft, isn't it? It is. Be a cooper. That would be fun to make yeah. beer that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mario, we we definitely want to make a trip soon to Castleman, and if we do, we'll let you know. Yeah. When when we do, we'll let you know because we definitely want to visit Castlebury. It sounds fantastic. Please do because a lot of people stop by. Hey, is Mario here? Is he's like never here because I stop and see the crew in the morning, trip around a meeting, go back to the office, or go back to something else. All right, we'll track you down. We'll is there a golf course down. nearby? Because I, I have to, to teach me. these guys. <laughs> yeah, is there a good golf course in Castle? Yeah, Castleview, awesome golf course. Uh, all right, Castleview, really well okay. known. Too. I'll teach you guys how to golf there. Yeah, okay, Nick's we can all go. Is golfing. And then all we'll right. meet Mario for pints. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely, Mario. We'll let you know. Absolutely. Well, thank you, sir. Have a wonderful, uh, have a wonderful evening, and we'll chat soon. Thanks, Mario. Thanks, Mario. Thanks, Mario. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you for listening as well. You can help my podcast grow by sharing my podcast with family and friends and subscribe on whichever platform from where you're listening. Also, check out my Instagram at beergotmehere for beer photos and future beer reviews. For more information on Rolling Hops Beer Tours, their website and a link to all their media is in the episode description. We will see you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.